if you compromise with evil, you get evil. Lawmakers who rightly opposed slavery finally agreed to the Missouri Compromise as a way to try and keep even. But in doing so, they gave the evil institution a much-needed win. And they doomed hundreds of thousands of more people beyond the Mississippi to a lifetime of bondage. They didn't just vote to compromise with evil. They literally voted for evil. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. I want to let you know about a couple of special offers from Word and Way magazine. You enjoy the podcast, but if you're not a subscriber to our award-winning monthly magazine, you really are still missing out. And I want to make it easier for you to try it. $9.95 for one year, that's 50% off. All you have to do is go to tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. That's tinyurl.com slash wwoffer and try out our monthly magazine, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. And for those of you who are subscribers, thank you. If you would like to help some of your friends at your church also subscribe to Word and Way, we have an offer for you as well. We'll send a bundle of issues from one month that can be distributed for free at your church so that other people can check out Word and Way and see why they too should want to subscribe. And all you have to do is go to tinyurl.com slash wwbundle and we will send that free bundle to your church to be distributed. That's tinyurl.com slash wwbundle. In this bonus episode of Baptist Without an Adjective, we're going to reflect a bit on the Missouri Compromise of 1820. But I hope that even those outside of Missouri will listen because really I'm offering in this episode some brief thoughts on lessons for politics and for churches today based on that event. If you're listening to this episode on the day it was dropped, March 6, 2020, this is the 200th anniversary of the Missouri Compromise. I wrote a little bit about this in my column at wordandway.org this week. And then yesterday on March 5th, I spoke at the Faith Labor Alliance Breakfast in Jefferson City, Missouri. It's an event that happens several times a year as representatives from labor unions as well as local clergy gather together, of course, for a good breakfast, but also to hear reflections from one another, just to get to know one another and think about ways that we can collaborate and work together, particularly with legislative issues that might be happening just a couple blocks away at the state capitol or governor's mansion. And so one aspect of this breakfast each time is a faith reflection, and I was asked to give it for this month. And since we were meeting on the day before the 200th anniversary of the Missouri Compromise, I decided to to think about what that could say to us today. So here are my remarks from March 5th at the Jefferson City Faith Labor Alliance Breakfast on the Missouri Compromise. There are, of course, a, a lot of dinners, breakfasts, parties in the Bible, but I've been thinking about one quite a bit recently in Luke 19, where Zacchaeus throws a party. And, it, you know, we know Zacchaeus a little bit. We sing the little children's song sometimes in our churches. He's a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And then the song ends right when the story actually begins. Right? The whole point of the story is not even in the song, and that's what happens at the dinner, at his house. And I've been thinking about that because our state's going to be throwing a party next year. Perhaps you've noticed that. The license plates, 
as you drive, or a constant reminder that we're celebrating our 200th birthday next year. But there's also an anniversary related to that tomorrow, and that's what I wanted to think about today. Because the conception of our state also merits remembrance. And that came with the Missouri Compromise, a U.S. congressional effort that was signed by U.S. President James Monroe on March 6, 1820, 200 years tomorrow. That compromise in Washington, D.C., done in our name, but at the request of the residents in what is now Missouri, gave new life to slavery, and it doomed hundreds of thousands of more African Americans to a lifetime of bondage, rape, and torture. And I want to make sure that we don't gloss over that or whitewash that history in a rush to throw confetti and to eat birthday cake, much like the children's song too often misses the whole point of Zacchaeus' dinner. You see, the year 1820 is celebrated in stone in the Capitol as the year that Missouri was organized as a state. But what's left unsaid under the dome was that that 1820 move breathed new life into the evil institution of slavery, allowing it to expand into even more states, as would occur in Arkansas in 1836 and Texas in 1845. See, this debate had been going on for more than a year by the time we came to the compromise. Residents in what is now Missouri had started asking to be a state in 1819, but the issue of slavery had raised significant questions because for several years, states had been entering the union essentially in pairs to keep a balance between free and slave states. We had Indiana and Mississippi. We had Illinois and Alabama. And so if admitted as a slave state, Missouri would tip the balance in the Senate and in electoral college towards the side of slavery. So eventually they came to the Missouri Compromise. They drew a line westward across to the Pacific Ocean, essentially at Missouri's southern border except for the Boot Hill. They gave new life to slavery. It gave slavery a new manifest destiny by saying that it could exist everywhere below that line as well as in Missouri. Many credited the compromise, and you'll still see this today, for preventing a civil war over slavery at that time. But it, as we know, it didn't actually prevent the civil war. It just delayed it for a biblical generation of 40 years. Why does this matter? Missouri has yet to fully wrestle with its slaveholder past. And before we throw a big birthday bash, we must clean house. Now, Zacchaeus in his rush may not have cleaned up his house before he invited all the guests over, but normally that's what we do before we invite people to come over for a party. Selective amnesia, when it comes to our history, leaves us pathologically unable to deal with the lingering consequences. And so as I reflect, I have three quick things that I want us to think about with this anniversary tomorrow. First of all, if you compromise with evil, you get evil. Lawmakers who rightly opposed slavery finally agreed to the Missouri Compromise as a way to try and keep even. But in doing so, they gave the evil institution a much-needed win. And they doomed hundreds of thousands of more people beyond the Mississippi to a lifetime of bondage. They didn't just vote to compromise with evil. They literally voted for evil. Now, don't get me wrong. Compromise is important. Compromise is needed in politics today. It is healthy. But there are also moral lines that we must draw 
and not cross even in the name of getting along. Two, don't leave the work of justice to the next generation. You see, the lawmakers in 1820 did not prevent a civil war. They just left the mess to the next generation. They chose political expediency over the welfare of the people. And since they lacked the moral courage and perseverance to remain committed to the work of justice, they condemned another generation of African Americans to enslavement, and they condemned their own children to a bloody war. May that not be said of us today. May we not put off the work that must be done for our children or our grandchildren to solve. And three, we must honestly remember our past and repair the damage. If Missouri is able to celebrate a birthday, Missouri is able to apologize. Some people don't believe in corporate apologies, but if we can have a corporate birthday bash, then I think that there's something to be said about what we can do as a community. Nine states, in fact, have offered official apologies since 2007 for slavery, but Missouri has not. It's time, far beyond time, actually, to officially apologize for condoning, supporting, and enforcing slavery as a state. Such actions came from official acts by our legislators, by our governors, and so they must be followed by official apologies. And I think that we need to be doing that before we celebrate this birthday in August of 2021. Let's not demand that the descendants of enslaved Africans join the celebrations if we're not willing to speak honestly like Zacchaeus was about what we have done wrong in the past. And since most churches in slaveholding states also come from that tradition of being led by, even pastored by, slaveholders, our churches must lead the way in telling this history honestly. And then seeking biblical repentance that includes apologizing and repairing the damage. At First Baptist Church, where I'm a member, we did this last August, acknowledging for the first time the, the full depth of that slaveholding past the church. Four of the first seven pastors were slaveholders. Many of the other key lay leaders were slaveholders. The person who gave the land where the church now sits had a lot of wealth because of being a slaveholder. And until we tell that history, we cannot deal with it. Perhaps our churches can set the example for the state. And once we apologize, we must explore ways to repair the damage of slavery in our state. As I try to teach my young son, he's eight, true repentance requires more than just apologizing. Don't get me wrong, I tell him that you need to go tell someone, you, I'm sorry, that's important, but it doesn't magically make everything better. Zacchaeus didn't just apologize for cheating people. He announced that he would give half of his wealth to the poor. We would call that aid, charity. And then he announced that he would pay back fourfold anyone that he had wronged. This is a biblical concept of reparations is the language that people use today. But it comes from Leviticus. It comes from the story of David being confronted by the prophet Nathan, who tells a parable of a rich man who steals the one lamb from the poor man. And David announces that he should pay back that person, that rich man should pay back four lambs to the poor man, echoing what Moses had taught and Zacchaeus himself echoes later. We must repair the damage from slavery that exists today. We must purge slaveholder ideas and policies from our state. And there are many of them embedded in the policies and the politics that we hear debated down the street.
Let's not leave this critical work of justice to the next generation. We're getting older as a state, and it's time to also show that we're getting wiser and more just. So as we reflect on this anniversary tomorrow, may that lead us into 18 months of reflection as to what it means to be residents of Missouri. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. You can learn more about Word and Way at wordandway.org. Don't forget to check out those special offers that we have going. Get 50% off our monthly magazine at tinyurl.com wwoffer or order a free bundle of one issue to distribute at your church at tinyurl.com wwbundle. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. If you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the donate button. And whatever you give there will help the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And if you have any comments or feedback about this program, please send them to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening.